You're listening to Podcast BXN, a video game podcast delivering player experience news. Let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome to Podcast PXN, episode 139. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Prindle, a.k.a. Dan is DTM on Twitter, and I'm joined over Discord by one half of the Men and Gitch podcast, Gage Dempster at Gilbo Biggins. Gage, we're without Roshan and Christian this week, and this is totally the first time we've recorded this intro. Absolutely. Absolutely, it is. Yo, Dan, it's uh, down here. It's 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 been tough these past couple minutes, you know. Absolutely. Trying our best. We're doing the best we can, and we're trying to give you guys the news as reliably and as fast as we can. It's hard work. Yeah. All right. It's very hard work. Yes. It's very hard work. Uh, shout out to Kirok who's joining us in the chat as well, and. Luke? Thank you to everyone else who is also joining us live and participating in the chat. Just as a reminder, we are live each and every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube. Just search Podcast PXN. You'll find us there. Twitch.tv slash Podcast PXN and Twitter at Podcast PXN. The topic of the show this week, Gage, is Starfield and Redfall's 2023 delay. But first, the show always starts with the quick bites, so let's go ahead and jump right in. Gage, we are starting with some very unfortunate news. Uh, Of course, uh, a few days ago, there was a a mass shooting uh, in Buffalo, New York, uh, that saw a a man travel many, many miles to essentially... uh, hunt down um, black people and uh, murdered, I believe, 10 people uh, and injured three more, which is just absolutely despicable and disgusting. Um, obviously, this was a completely racially motivated uh, issue as they've you know, done an investigation on this guy. And it's absolutely awful that this even happens in this day and age, and it's, it should never happen. Um, and if you know anyone that's, you know, even remotely doing this kind of thing or like thinking this kind of thing, like, yeah, Yeah. call it out. Like that's not okay. This should not happen. Um, but Twitch and discord have both released statements following this because they were uh, of course associated with this as he, uh, live streamed this on Twitch, which is just incredibly awful and uh, also planned it in Discord, apparently, as well. Uh, They say, we extend our deepest sympathies to the victims and their families, and we will do everything we can to assist the law enforcement in in their investigation. Uh, Of course, they added, the user has been indefinitely suspended from our service, and we are taking all appropriate action, including monitoring for any accounts rebroadcasting this content, which, uh, of course, that last part's important because... You don't want to see that as, as someone, you know, family members and such like that would be an awful, you know, thing to have to see to on the internet. that again yeah. and again and again. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. No, it's. Yeah. I mean. What can you say at this point? Right. Like it's 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 insane that this keeps happening over the pigment of your skin. Like it's 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 incredible that the amount of technology and the amount of information we have at our fingertips nowadays, that there's still so many people who are so ignorant and so just fucking stupid. And yeah, it's, uh, it's rough. And of course, shout out to Fox news for blaming this on video games again. Um, yeah. even though, uh, 
Canada and the UK and Australia have all the same video games and none of the mass shootings. So maybe it's not the video games, Fox News. But yeah, super yeah. unfortunate. And hopefully something can be done um, in terms of... I mean, when it comes to Discord, I don't know if there's a lot they could do because, I mean, how can you monitor that many chats? And right. there's also the line of like people... You know who have a dark sense of humor who might be making jokes about things and, and but like for twitch it's like there's really not some sort of you know emergency stuff that they can't you know that this was able to not only be streamed in its entirety when it happened but then also mm. restreamed and re- like yeah twitch has got a lot of work to do in terms of quality control over there yeah not good not good at not all good. Uh, moving from there, Gage, uh, we move into a, a not, I don't want to say similar story, but it kind of, uh, piggybacks off the same sentiment. Um, Respawn, uh, was in the news, uh, last week uh, on basically the story on their characters in Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So, uh, I'll just read here from IGN. Of course, um, we have from Ryan Dinsdale. Uh, Nora Shramick, who is a lighting artist at Respawn, who worked on Fallen Order, tweeted the below that multiple employees pushed for a black or female protagonist during development before the game launched in 2019, but were rejected because the game and wider franchise already represented those communities. Uh, she says, when I worked on Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, a lot of the dev- de- a lot of the devs wanted and advocated for the main character to be black and or woman. Shramick uh, said in a tweet spotted by GameTradar, the tweet, the reasons were apparently given for not going in that direction were because we already have two black people in the game and Ray is a woman, so we can't do that too. Yeah, I, I don't like that at all. It, like, and the bigger, bigger thing to me is like uh, video games as a whole don't really have a lot of black f- main protagonists as they their... Don't. Yeah, as their main characters. Like, that's great. You have great supporting actors, supporting characters that are African-American. That's fantastic. But, like, that doesn't substitute for something else. Like, and if the devs are pushing for that, why would you not want to respect what the devs are are wanting? Um, She did follow up and say that apparently there were changes made after she left uh, in, in this regard. So at least, you know, Respawn reacted to that. Um, but it is unfortunate that uh, it was kind of put in that position. And not not to say that, you know, Cal Kestis is a bad character because I, I really like Cal Kestis's character. But, like, at the same time, like, what could we have gotten if Cal Kestis wasn't the main character? Right. Um, see, I'm not as familiar with this story. So the, th- the thing that, that gets me is that it's like, were these, like, the writers and the creatives who were pushing for this and they were told know by somebody who's higher up in which case yeah that means that cal kestis was not the original character that they wanted right Correct. so you're absolutely right what if if he is if if cal kestis was a compromise what could the story have looked like if the if the writers were given you know the freedom to write the story they wanted to write yeah. because from what i heard is that the story in jedi fallen order is really good right so hmm. it's extremely unfortunate um yeah it's it's so weird um and I, I, I don't know how to tackle this. I, I mean, you can you can probably um, piggyback off of this or understand what I mean, but it's like, as as you and I sit here, two white men, yeah. it's like, I really don't get it. I don't understand what the issue is. I don't know. It's so hard to wrap your head around it if, you, if, it's, if it's a concept that's totally foreign to you. I mean, 
I just, I don't understand what the issue is. Literally the pigment of your skin. I mean, there's so many videos you can watch on it where it's like, this is why people look a certain way and they show a demographic of the world and where the sun hits. And it's like, it's literally the pigment of your skin. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's super upsetting. Um, yeah. I don't know. We, we can have 16 different aliens, but, but more than two black people is pushing it apparently. Right. Yeah. It's, it's insane for sure. And, and, you know, along with that female protagonist, we don't get, have many of those either in video games. And, like, you know, lo- of course, we know the big ones, Laura Croft and uh, Joanna Dark and stuff like that. But, like, uh, in comparison to male white cr- protagonists, it's, it's not even close. Like, Right. Uh, we're just now starting to see female protagonists become more and more common. But yeah. It's funny when you mentioned, like, how little... Um, uh, African-American or black protagonists there are in video games, main characters that you play as. You said that, and I first of all, I realized how little there are. Yeah. And then I thought about, of the ones that there are, how many of them are like caricatures and over... And like, like I think of Borderlands and Crackdown and stuff like that, where it's like a lot of them are like not even taken seriously as well. So like, <laughs> the amount of serious black protagonists in video games that actually have something to say yeah. about the experience is is like incredibly small. So for them to go like, ah, we can't do it. It's like, well, yeah, I would love to know who said no and who was pushing for it. Yeah. Um, because if it was the creatives and the writers pushing for it, I mean, that's the story that they wanted to tell and they had to compromise for the sake of, of, of appealing to a wider demographic, I guess. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's hard to wrap your head around when you don't think that way. It doesn't make any sense. Agreed. And again piggybacking off of you as well last week we added a conversation about mafia the mafia franchise and we were talking about how lincoln clay is like a, f- a great character i loved lincoln and, clay. yes yeah yeah you know what's funny is that mafia 3 is one of those games i hated the gameplay of that game Agreed. i i suffered Agreed. through that game because of how compelling lincoln clay was yes um i yeah i that game you if you play the first hour and a half of that game you've played it in its entirety yes. it does not change its tune at all but i've suffered through all of it because that was such a good performance yes. and a really well-written character so i guess that's one that's one game recently that's done a really good job and actually making the main protagonist race mean something in actual in the gameplay and in the story which was really well done and really i thought really um poignant um but yeah. yeah, I mean, we get what we're supposed to get one of those every six years and anything more right. is too much. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I need more of it. Yeah. Moving. Doesn't hurt anyone. Doesn't hurt anyone. You've got plenty of white protagonists to choose from. Yeah. Fucking angry gamers. Settle down. Yes. Agreed. Moving on, Gage. Uh, Dead Space remake is officially launching January 27th, 2023, with a full reveal coming on Halloween. That's a nice little Halloween gift we're getting. Uh, And also, uh, the Dead Space developers, um, of course, is... uh, Frick, what's the name? Visceral, isn't it? No, no, no. Visceral is shut down. Oh, my god! Oh, right, never mind. They were axed. Uh... Crap, why am I... I literally just blanked on their name. I know who they are. They made the Star Wars Squadrons game. Oh, Criterion. No. <laughs> Criterion Did they helped. not do the Star Wars game? Criterion helped doing- on it. Why am oh. I... Oh, my gosh. It starts with... Motive. Gosh. 
Motive. Motive. My brain is not working today. We do a video game podcast here, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, Motive. I know their name. That's why it's so frustrating. I didn't know it either. No, I I was just as I was just as lost. Uh, But no, they showed off some really cool uh, art assets from the game, uh, which is really cool on YouTube. They had four different stream videos. So one was immersive environments, uh, visual effects, character models, and lighting effects. And my God, every time we see a little glimpse of this game, it looks so good. And I, I really love these dev diaries that they're doing that like really go in depth on the decisions that they made for the remake and like how they're justifying them, like the lighting in this. Oh my gosh, it looks so good. <laughs> I, I really commend Motive, and I mean not to, not, I mean not to bring everything back to like uh, Halo, but as an example, obviously with the Rocky. With the rocky launch of halo infinite and the decisions that they make I'm, I'm wondering if if this is even um uh what's the way to word this if this is more beneficial to a development team where it's like instead of having an open beta three months before the game comes out if there's just like throughout early development yeah you know like we're still when was the first uh dev stream they did what if like a few months three ago, months ago? Yeah. so you know almost a year out from where the game is yep. is supposed to launch and they had the audio uh, dev blog come out and a lot of people were like, hey, this is a little weird. And then they changed it and they were able to change it because it's so early. So I almost wonder, I would not mind to see this um, sort of strategy taken by other developers because this is really, it's a win-win. I mean, the developers get to show what they're working on. They get to show you the progress they're making. And people without playing it, without needing to make vertical slices of the game can, can sort of provide feedback. And They've only had one negative reaction. Every other dev stream has been like, wow, guys, this looks amazing. Yeah, and it seems like it's a really healthy relationship between developer and and uh, and and, and uh, gamer audience. So I very uh, much I, love this. I very much agree with you. Uh, that's that's a really nice way to, to do it, because uh, like you're saying, you don't have to build a vertical slice. You don't have to waste development resources right. doing that. They're just making the game and then showing you it and saying, all right, what don't you like? What do you like? And that is a great point in, in terms of Halo Infinite, because if they had done that, they would have found out a lot of the issues that the community had before the game came out. And, sure. they, and they would have also, you know, not had to necessarily build that beta last year and, you know, just launch the game the way that people exactly. wanted it. Exactly. They could have reprioritized, right? Like if yeah. we got if we got a dev stream like this, you know, let's say a year before the original you yes. know, date yeah. of, of Halo Infinite. And they're like, this is what customization looks like. Everybody would have been like, hey, uh, we don't like this. What about this, that, and the other? And then maybe something that's as core and as big to the game like that could have changed. So I really like this idea from developers. This is a really good idea. And I hope yep. to see more of this. Because to me, this this has already become, it seems like it's been, again, more beneficial to the dev team than if yep. they were to have an open beta. Obviously, this is a single-player game and they don't normally do that, but... I mean, the logic still stands, right? If if Battlefield had had something like this, um, you know, leading up to it, and people saw that they were getting rid of class based for specialists, that would have been that would have been you know, challenged right away, and they might have reprioritized. So, I love this. I love what Motive is doing. This is great. I highly doubt the release date because nothing launches on the release <laughs> dates anymore. So, we'll see. I I can't wait to play it in March when it launches. But it looks it looks great. It looks great. And I tried to play. Dead Space for the first time recently on the computer and it does not age well. So this will be I'm eager to jump into this experience. I have not played Dead Space properly. So good. So good. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Gage. 
Resident Evil, the TV series on Netflix, has officially gotten a little teaser. Um, I, I think you saw this, right? You saw this teaser? I did. I was very, very impressed. Very impressed. I, I thought I thought it looked good as well. I'm, and I'm definitely intrigued by it. Yeah, it's Resident Evil's weird because they had they had the movies way back with uh, Mila Jovovich that pretty much tossed all of the source <laughs> material aside, and they were in to those movies. To me, I've only seen like the first three, maybe, but those movies to me were in the so bad it's good category. Like <laughs> it was dumb fun, whatever. I don't really care. I don't. I'm not. I don't care what's happening at all. But it's fun. Yeah. And then they had the recent movie that stuck to its source material extremely closely and it was awful. It was really bad. <laughs> it was so bad. It's bad. I did not enjoy it at all. So this looks like a healthy medium and it looks really good. I love Lance Riddick. I mean, I, I think all of us on the, on this podcast are all four of us are huge fans of Lance. Riddick. Yeah. Um, when I heard that he was announced as, as Wesker again, tying back to the whole diversity thing. It's like, he doesn't look like Wesker, but everything about him, his voice, his presence. I was like, that's an excellent choice. Yes. So if you can just get past that nonsense, it's like, oh, this is a great choice. So I'm, I was, I was pleasantly surprised with that trailer, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's good. I'm, I'm excited, and maybe this will be the first uh, video game series that we do our little book club idea for. We'll talk more about that later, I guess. But yes, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. It looks good. And kind of, yeah, kind of circling back to your thing about uh, Lance Reddick and diversity, like. That's part of the, and not to go back to our pre-show discussion for people who are watching the pre-show, but uh, like that's kind of why like I went into the Halo TV series with like a completely blank mind. Like I didn't want to go in as like a huge Halo fan and like be disappointed because it didn't, you know, stick to the source material or anything like that. That's why I like that show because it's like it can literally do whatever it wants to do. It can be whatever it wants to be. And like the Miranda in the show is not the Miranda in the games. And that's not a bad thing like she's a completely different actress she isn't uh she's a scientist in the show whereas in the game she's more so a military commander uh and in the show also captain keys is a very different character than what he is in the games and also again the the diversity shows as those actresses the actress and actor is both african-american whereas in the games they're 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 white so like that is that's exactly why I agree with you. I, I like Lance Reddick as a, a actor. So like having him in this role as Wesker is like really good. I can't wait to see like what his, his, uh, his performance looks like for that. So, yeah, it's, it's such good casting. It's yes. such good casting. Like, yeah, to be the ominous big bad. And <laughs> he has that voice. I can't wait. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I, Miranda keys is probably my favorite character. Yes. One of my favorite characters in the show. And, like you said, they they switched the race for the TV show, and it did not matter at all because the actress nailed it, and that's all that should matter. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited for this. Hopefully, it's good. Agreed. Agreed. Moving on, Gage. Uh, Criterion Games has officially absorbed Codemasters Cheshire uh, to work on Need for Speed. So, of course. Uh, EA acquired Codemasters, I think, last year, and this is just one little. This is one team of Codemasters and Cheshire specifically. So uh, apparently, they most recently worked on Onrush, which I don't even. I hadn't even heard of it before before reading this article. But uh, apparently, Onrush was a racing game for people that don't like traditional racing games, according to IGN. Uh, 
but uh, yeah, I, th- I thought this was interesting and uh, is kind of indicative of where Criterion is at, in my opinion. Like Criterion, uh, so many years ago, was like the the like the racing game developer, and now like so many times over, they've been you know torn apart by EA. I think at one point their studio was like less than thirty people because EA was taking them down to nothing essentially they became like a, st- a support studio but um now they're slowly building them back up and uh i guess we're gonna see some more need for speed here soon uh possibly so we'll see i mean yeah we're gonna touch on this with tots but like ea is is horrible at managing studios and right you, like you said like they're building criteria back up but you have you have to hope that enough of the core members of the original criterion is there to be built back up. Otherwise you're just, you've, you've, you've gotten rid of all of the, um, all of the talent and the sort of innovative minds. And now you're just building up the studio again with the same name, but it might not be the same team that has that same drive. Uh, no pun intended, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the next need for speed. I hope it works out. Um, um, and, uh, did you play need for speed heat at all? I did not. <laughs> So that game was I did not play it until like just last year actually. Okay. Um, um Is that game the, Is that like the neon one? Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the most recent one and um it was a surprisingly really really good game. Uh mm. really fun. Um like especially if you're somebody who plays Forza Horizon uh and you're like, "Oh, this is great. I just wish, you know, there was more customization." Like that game is fantastic for customization. And uh, it's very arcadey. It's kind of like uh, it plays a lot like um, those asphalt games on your phone, kind of, but just obviously a lot you know, more polished and it looks a lot nicer. But it's totally fun. That game is is so much fun to play with friends um, in a way that it, it's it's more fun. You have more fun actually doing stuff in the game with your friends than Forza Horizon 5. Because I find that Forza Horizon 5 is an amazing game, yeah. but it's a lot of like progress by yourself and then meet up with your friends and just show them the cool things that you, the, you know, the cool cars that you have, and then go back to playing by yourself, really. Like, it's not really a very social game in the way that I think they wanted it to be. So I highly recommend trying out Need for Speed Heat. And uh, I am eagerly waiting for the next one, because this last one fixed a lot of the problems in the previous games. Yeah. And um, I'm hoping that with with um, the acquisitions that they made with other with Codemasters and stuff like that, that this game really nails the driving because that's the only thing it's missing. It, it, it does customization way better than, than uh, Forza or uh, Gran Turismo. So if they can nail that, that the feel of it, then I think they'll have a real winner on their hands. They'll drive that thing right out of the park. I don't know. That Hell was a yeah. terrible pun. Uh, <laughs> moving into our next one, Gage, an Alan Wake TV series is officially in development at AMC. Um, and also a little quick, tidbit here as well alan wake remastered is also coming to nintendo switch they announced uh, so we got some alan wake goodness coming um sam lake from remedy says we were quite a while ago talking about the alan wake tv show uh well amc the wonderful wonderful home for the absolutely brilliant tv shows has bought the rights for alan wake and we have been collaborating on making a tv show happen uh this is an interesting um pairing i feel like because i I don't think i don't think that amc well i guess that's not true because like walking dead is very horror-esque i was gonna say i don't i can't think of any like amc shows that are horror but i guess 
Walking Dead sort of is, but it's it's not really horror, I guess, more gory. They did um, do the miniseries The Terror, which oh. is one of the greatest miniseries you can watch ever of all time, and I highly recommend everyone. It's fantastic. Heck yeah. Um, but you're right, they don't normally, they don't have a huge um, portfolio in that sort of market. Gotcha. Yeah, I, um, I think it would be cool to have, like, alan wake in this format because obviously like the first game like really f the first game almost felt like a tv show like you were interacting with this uh thing that it felt very like chapter-esque and i feel like that's partially because of like the book writing mechanic of it where he's like basically writing a book talking him to himself like uh right. I'm, I'm about to move down this dark hall and turn left and i'm just like i love that shit yeah up. i i were like amc has a mixed track record because obviously yeah. they do better call Saul and breaking bad which are some of the best tv that you can watch and then obviously there's the walking dead which it has you know in terms of quality fluctuated wildly <laughs> yeah. yes um so i guess it all really depends on how serious they are about um doing this right and doing this proper and sort of honoring the source material in a way that it's true to the games uh, but i think this is exciting this is really exciting uh, I uh, I couldn't get into the game. I tried. Um, I mm. just it didn't click for me. Again, it could just be something that is very dated and it doesn't hold up well on on PC. But the second one, taking more of a survival horror um, yes. aspect, has me very very curious. I'm very interested in that. And I think that you're right. From what I know of Alan Wake, it probably would lend itself really well as a TV series. Yes. This is uh this is good. It's exciting. It's an exciting time because we're seeing more and more video game properties being developed in the TVs and even if not all of them are great or not all of them are what we want it's exciting because there's a lot of great stories in this medium that um I would love for like my parents to be able to watch and know and yeah. all that stuff so I'm excited excited totally. totally our next story gauge will probably interest some of our audience if Glenn's watching uh and also yes. maybe us as well uh, Dying Light 2's for first story DLC is officially launching in September. Um, I think it was supposed to come sooner, but uh, they posted on their Twitter page, Dear Pilgrims, your feedback always has the highest priority for us, and we want to be honest and transparent with you. We still need a bit more time to develop the first story DLC. It is now planned to be released in September. Um, they've got a little post-launch roadmap here for five years of support. Um, they only have, you know, the next few months lined up, but uh, very intrigued to see what this is and uh, see if it kind of continues the story. I haven't even finished Dying Light 2, Gage. I don't know if you Neither have. Neither have I. Okay. But uh, I guess it'll be interesting to see if, like, the DLC is going to take the approach of, like, continuing the story, if it's going to be, like, a standalone thing. That's always, like, an interesting decision for developers to decide, like, what they want to do with DLC. Right. Yeah. I I don't know. I, it's it, Dying Light Two is weird. It was a game that was extremely. It was a it was a roller coaster coming up to release of you know really the reveal and being excited, then hearing about the things coming out of the studio and the turmoil, and getting worried again, and then obviously the, the delay after delay and not hearing about it, and then the game came out and it was good, yeah. but I, I don't I I don't know if it hit the way that I wanted it to, and I yeah I. I might not get back into it unless there's another big game drought, right? Which there might be this early summer. So maybe that'll be a good time to jump back into it. But I don't know. I'm kind of, it's, it's, 
it's honestly the, it's the most disappointing for a game to me when you're just kind of lukewarm on it. Like it doesn't do anything extremely bad. Um, it's pretty good. Like it's 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 a beautiful game. It looks gorgeous on on Series X. But like, it's just kind of like you're. I'm just kind of feeling meh. Like I don't know how are you feeling about Dying Light Two? Like are you excited to jump back into uh, some yeah. DLC? Yeah, I feel like I feel like part of that too is like the the launch issues that they had with co-op and that kind of right. drained interest pretty quickly. I feel like for people because uh, that is a very like that's a very co-op-y game. Like if you're not playing with friends, I feel like it's not as fun of a, an experience because you're kind of you know enjoying that world and uh, the different weapons that you can customize and that kind of stuff. Like it loses interest a little bit when you're you're playing that solo for sure i feel like um but yeah yeah we've got a lot no not a lot we've got a few announcements of 505 games showcase event uh I was going to put this, it's actually a funny story. I was going to put this in our uh, PXN News of the Week, and then I clicked on the link like that I had saved throughout the week. I was like, there's really not that much here for being like a big showcase, but, I mean, it's 505 Games. They're not a huge publisher or anything. But there's some interesting things in here. Um, the first thing is uh, the Among the Trolls, which is a supernatural survival game set in the forests of Finland, which this trailer looks freaking really, really beautiful. I don't know if you had a chance to check that out yet, but um, it looks pretty. Uh, it does. Of all the things announced, this looks really good. I'm very interested in this. I'm a big yeah. survival games guy. I love survival games, so yeah, um, I like this. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, we also got a Stray Blade, which is a Souls-like that pairs an anthropologist with a spell-casting wolf gremlin. Uh, so, so this might be up uh, uh, Christian's alley since he is a big Souls Soulsborne fan. Um, right. Definitely, uh, it's not going to be my type of game with that description, but yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and then there's Eoden Chronicle Rising, which offers a glimpse at the much-anticipated Eoden Chronicle 100 Heroes. I don't know what that... I don't even know what I just said there. But uh, it can, 100 Heroes continues to be nowhere to be seen following its delay into 2023. Instead, Rising was showcased one more time for fans who haven't yet picked up the town-building spinoff. Oh, okay. I guess it's a town-building spinoff set in the Eoden Chronicle world. Um, so that's, that's something. So uh, definitely a bunch of words. That you said. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's also uh, a game called Mia, Mia Sma Chronicles, which is a game about a boy and his robot from the developers of Mutant Year Zero. Um, apparently the showcase's final game, it was the showcase's final game, which was a teaser for the game, a brief trailer featuring a boy, his robot, and what seems like an extra dimensional force. It's being developed by the bearded ladies, of course, the student behind Mutant Year Zero, which Mutant Year Zero always kind of intrigued me with, uh, with the uh, look of that game, but I never, yes. never really got into the game itself. Interesting stuff from 505. Gage, Nintendo Switch has become the fourth highest selling system of all time in the U.S. Only the X Xbox 360, PS2, and Wii have sold more, which is insane to me. That is nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, God bless them. Nintendo, for all for all of its faults, and, and I was definitely part of that crowd coming... Uh, 
coming off coming uh from the Wii U um saying like man they just just stick to software just, just stop and then <laughs> you know and then they revealed the switch and I was like I was when they're sort of ramping up with their next hardware I was like please don't let it be a you know mobile just 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 do a if you're going to do hardware just do an actual proper thing the switch came out and it, it's great it's a great system it is yeah. it's fantastic um I didn't I didn't use mine as much as I wanted to so I got rid of it but I know a lot of people who love it and use it and I have nothing wrong with this I have no complaints with this at all it's yeah. it's um it's an incredible little handheld it does a lot and uh yeah you know congrats to Nintendo because they refuse to die they refuse <laughs> they they refuse two things they refuse to die and they refuse to change their ways and somehow the, those two things haven't conflicted <laughs> with each other at all they're still here yeah so you know Certainly. congrats Congrats to Nintendo. Very good. Uh, Glenn yeah. does say in the chat, Gage, you don't know if it will if it hit the way you wanted it to. Uh, well, I don't I, know what he's. I don't. I guess he's nope. referring to Dying Light too. I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And he's also chiming in that I didn't even have a Wii U. I didn't own the Fisher Price toy. You're right, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, um, Wii U was like a half step too to like switch because they had the handheld but you had to stay close to your console so it was like yeah it didn't really didn't do enough yeah uh gauge next up we've got elden ring which has overtaken cod call of duty vanguard as the highest selling game of the last year that is insane to me Woo! like i don't that is that is monumental yeah. i really like it's not going to get a lot of traction and i get it there's not much to say but yeah. what has to be said is that this is like this is insane like yeah. the elden ring is an extremely niche game that has exploded into the mainstream and um i think it says a lot um uh, not to not to rehash old wounds but it says a lot about you know game design and the developer who says you know this is the way we want to make our games and we're not changing and they've obviously gotten a lot of flack in the past but yeah. Clearly, that type of game with that restriction and that level of challenge, it speaks to people. Like this, it mm -hmm. overtook caught. <laughs> like that's insane. Yeah, that is absolutely insane. Um, now, yeah, of course, there's there's people out there that'll throw in the caveat of you know, COD Vanguard was like a, a one of the lower end selling Call of Duty games, and they usually attribute that to the the setting because I guess the World War II versions don't sell as well as the right. modern versions. But still, Call of Duty is a massive brand, and for Elden Ring to pass that, that's that's pretty impressive. It's a massive brand. It's also a very accessible game. Yes, and it was overtaken by a niche developer yeah. like a, a not as well-known developer with a very hard sort of inaccessible like it, it, it like I, I i can see how people could make arguments but i still feel like that doesn't that doesn't nullify how crazy this is like yeah <laughs> from software they've got to be just riding this wave of just feeling like incredible because i'm pretty sure elder ring has also uh sold more than their past games combined i think like a lot of their games sell four or five million which is obviously no small feat but like right this is insane like i i have nothing but respect for from software i love that um even though i am somebody who is very pro accessibility settings in games i at the, at the end of the day my philosophy on it is that the people making the game get to decide how the game is and i respect them for uh sticking to their guns and making a game that 
is challenging and it is hard and it's obviously people love it. Like I can't believe that it outsold Cod Vanguard. <laughs> that is absolutely insane. Yep. Insane. Moving on to our next story, Gage. After selling multiple Western studios, curiously enough, Square Enix is looking to build new studios <laughs> and acquire new ones as well. I'm oh not... no, if only they had some studios that they could have not sold and <laughs> yeah. kept. So this literally throws out my theory out the window when I said that they maybe were selling studios to I don't I don't know if you were on that episode or not, but I thought that they were selling studios to make their sell themselves more attractive to be acquired themselves right. by like Sony or someone like that. Uh, but yeah, what if you're building more studios and like I, I just don't understand? Yeah, why did you get rid of these established and pretty good studios already? Like. I, very curious by that. Very curious. I mean, it's important to remember, like, as much as, as much as it takes, you know, a certain level of drive and intelligence to to run a company at this level, um, and as we've seen with, unfortunately, the likes of Activision, that sort of a certain level of heartlessness that's that's required to it. These are, <laughs> these are at the end of the the day, just people, and I, yeah. this to me screams that like they don't know what to do. Like, I think Avengers, really threw them off course like i don't think they were expecting that game to flop as hard as it did yeah i don't think they were expecting um uh well what is people people can fly their game that they did for them uh outriders i don't think they were expecting outriders to uh not perform as well as it did even though the game like i enjoyed the game a lot of people liked it like it got a good you know seven out of ten generally responsive review from critics so i i think to me, this is, this looks like a studio that doesn't, or uh, a company, sorry, a publisher that doesn't know what to do, because this is totally nonsensical. You're right. Why, you know, selling a bunch of studios, trying to slim yourself down for to be acquired, I can get behind that logic. But then to turn around and be like, actually, no, we're gonna build new studios and we're gonna acquire some as well. It it seems like they don't know they're struggling. They don't know how to go forward. Yeah. Um. They've been making questionable decisions, you know, for a while though. Even even letting letting IO walk away with Hitman, right? As much as I love that decision, that's a fantastic decision. That is baffling for a for a publisher to do to just you know, yeah, you know what? Be free. Uh, you don't owe us anything, yeah. and also you take one of our most valuable IPs with you. Here you go. Yeah, very strange. I don't know what they're doing over there. And so maybe I. And maybe it is that they want to have, you know, more of a Japanese-focused uh, development team because uh, making more traditionally Japanese games because obviously those are all Western studios that they, right. they let go. So um, possibly, I guess, that's their plan to build more um, Japanese-based studios or, or games that are more Japanese-influenced. Um, Which that in and of itself is, is is very strange because normally i mean like we say with all these companies the bottom line is how do we make more money where yeah. if that is what they're doing i would respect that where they're like no we're going to scale down and we're going to focus on this market knowing full well that it means they will make less money i, I would almost respect that if that is their plan because right. then it's like you're you're devoting yourselves to one sort of demographic to make games for this certain you know uh geographic area and the, the culture and the likes and the tastes i i would yeah i would totally respect that but i don't i don't as of right now i have no idea what they're actually planning on doing but um that would be pretty cool i would like to see that agreed agreed gauge our next story more survival horror of course is so good 
Callisto Protocol is officially getting some news this week, and we also got a little teaser image that was shown uh, by Glenn, Glenn Schofield, who was one of the founders of their team. Um, obviously, this game is very uh, much of interest to uh, us because, or me in particular, obviously you didn't play Dead Space, as you said before, but uh, Glenn Schofield is literally one of the original creators of Dead Space uh, at Visceral Games. That. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm very interested to see what this is going to be this week. Hopefully uh, we get it soon in the next few days, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, but, yeah, the, the teaser image Glenn gave, he says, if you don't already follow Callisto the game on Twitter, now might be a good time to start. Look for some news next week, meaning this week. Until then, here's a close-up of one of the creatures from our world-class character team. They're incredible. Happy Friday the 13th. Um, yeah, and that looks so good, so gory. And we're literally in a survival horror renaissance right now, Gage. Yes. Like, yes. is wait a minute, is 2023 literally going to be the survival horror year? We're getting Dead Space, Callisto Protocol, and Alan Wake 2 all in 2023? I'm here for it. I love Whew. it. It's a great genre. Yes. Um, and it, it, it makes sense. It makes sense because look at the success of uh, of the Resident Evil remakes, yeah. right? And even Resident Evil Village, right? People people like that genre. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of Dead Space, but I am absolutely here for the Callisto Protocol. Almost, I'm almost more excited for that because it is something that doesn't have heritage and I can kind of get in on the ground floor. Um, but no, I mean, you and I are both big fans of The Expanse, which obviously is is sort of space horror. It has space horror elements. And I did kind of get that vibe from this. So I am... I'm extremely excited. I also just want to mention, because I don't think we've talked about Callisto while I've been on the show, that Striking Distance is a fucking killer name for a development studio. <laughs> that is such a fucking awesome name. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's it's a small thing. It doesn't matter at all. But I just, when he announced that at, uh, I think it was, was it the Game Awards, yes. I think, where he announced it, I was like, yep. that's a fucking kick-ass name for a video game studio. So that's awesome. I, I'm very excited. And, uh, yeah, I know, I, I know that... Um, a lot of his brain power is what made um, Dead Space really sort of become what it is. So, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited for Callisto. This is gonna be. I think this is gonna be. Agreed. Agreed. All right, we're uh, moving into more horror here. Gage, Silent Hill, and Bloober Team, uh, according to some reports, have some projects on the way. But first, we'll talk about Bloober Team. Bloober Team is apparently working on three titles. One is a Konami partner project. Uh, one is a new IP with Private Division, which of course Private Division is the the indie publisher um, that's under the 2K umbrella, um, and also another new game in pre-production so very interesting there and that ties into konami and silent hill because silent hill 2 remake is apparently being developed by bloober team um which is very very interesting but not only that apparently konami is planning three silent hill titles gauge and the other two are uh, a smaller silent hill title from annapurna interactive which is interesting they of course do uh, episodic uh, type games so that'll be some kind of episodic game that'll be interesting and a new mainline Silent Hill game. So, of course, the new mainline Silent Hill game gauge must be that one dude who uh, was teasing fans for a long time, right? With uh, his fake studio or whatever. Absolutely. You, it yeah. must be. Yeah. yeah. It's also Kojima as well. It's everything. <laughs> yeah. 
It's like, the next Silent Hill game is you, Daniel. It's you. It's me. It is yeah. you. <laughs> and I didn't put that in here. I forgot. But uh, yeah, the I forget the name of the developer. But uh, Blue he, Box. Blue Box, yes. They were uh, also kind of exposed this week in terms yeah. of what they actually are. There was some re- good reporting that was done essentially saying that uh, they were a hoax i mean the the whole thing is just a play on getting people to pay for something that isn't really anything like they're a playable demo i guess um they've, but- and they've they've done this before too i mean um uh yeah you can and that's the thing it it it, it very much became a very quickly as many things do on twitter it became a a, a team thing where you're either pro developer or against developer and unfortunate that the conversation got sort of muddled down to that because a lot of people on reddit were like posting these massive threads like you know with with links and 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 proof and receipts and it's like they've done this like six times they they have quote unquote started development for like six games and for one reason or another none of them have ever released i think one released for a week and then was pulled um so unfortunately like the writing was on the wall and it just it looks so yeah, I mean, that's the reason why I thought it had to be Ko- uh, Kojima at first, because I was like, yeah. <laughs> well, Sony signed on for this. They gave them their own app on the on the Sony store. That's never happened before, for, for not for The Last of Us, not for God of War, not for Spider-Man. Like, there must be something. It has to be Kojima, because otherwise, it must be a scam. So, you know, I thought it was Kojima at first, then more and more went by, and I was like, this doesn't look like <laughs> Kojima. I don't know what the fuck's going on here. And unfortunately, it turns out that, yeah, he did... He did sort of bank on. Uh, I would love to see what his pitch was, and maybe it, maybe it was that uh, like the uh, the reporting you're talking about, some of the expose that came out is that they had made these fake Silent Hill Five images. So I do wonder if yeah. he went to Sony and said, "We are doing this. Nobody knows it's super top secret or something." Mm. Like, how yeah. did they get this financing and this exclusivity deal and this real time app? Like, this yeah. is going to make a really great like. Uh, uh, art like a big huge article or or something like that one of these days like or even like a documentary or something like I'm so I'm so curious to know what happened with it. Yes, yeah, it's insane, absolutely insane. And I I was on record on this podcast giving the dude way too much credit. And yeah, it's, we all like, you know what I mean like people. It's it yeah. It almost seems like it can't happen nowadays with with how much technology there is and how much communication across the world that it's kind of like, I don't blame you for thinking that. Cause it's like, well, you know, he couldn't possibly fool yeah. PlayStation. Right. So there's gotta be, but right. like, yeah, no, it's nuts. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I would love to find out. I hope that there's a documentary about this guy one day or somebody does like a, like Jason Schreier does like a good, like 10 page article about like, I'm so curious to know yeah. how this guy got away with it, especially with his track record. True. So, yeah. Look forward to those Silent Hill projects possibly coming. Uh, but next, Gage, Fall Guys is officially going free-to-play on June 21st and is also launching on Xbox and Nintendo Switch for the first time to coincide with that as well. Um, very cool. Uh, I played this on PlayStation 4 when it first came out, uh, and it's a very fun game, a fun like mini-game style, uh, just like classic really good romp fun stuff yep. yeah battle royale i guess you could call it but yeah for many games free to play works for this game really well like this yes. is definitely like it's it's like a party game right it's something you bust out when you got people over and you want to laugh and have fun so 
really good move going free to play. Um, I'm excited to see what they do next because I've I've kind of had my fill with with Fall Guys. I enjoyed every second of it. I've got no qualms with it. Um, and uh, I'm really excited to see what these guys do next um, because I think that uh, that's it's a genre that there's not a lot of. Like when you think of like you know reality shows or like. Uh, American Ninja or Wipeout or stuff like that. Like it's fun to watch people go through these obstacle courses and try to make it. So, you know, imagine a game like if their next game is something similar like this, but maybe it has like Rockstar level ragdoll, right? Like that that would be so fun. That would be so cool. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm happy with their success, and uh, this is a good move going to free to play, and I I eagerly await to see what they. Very cool. Very cool. I'll definitely be I'll be in on it on Xbox. Check it out again. Been a yeah. while. Uh, lastly, here, Gage Techland has revealed. Well, last of our quick bites. They haven't exactly been quick bites, but that's okay. <laughs> long bites. <laughs> Call them long bites today. <laughs> Techland reveals first concept art of an open world fantasy RPG with talent from both Arcane and CD Projekt Red. Uh, I thought this looks really cool. The concept art looks very like dystopian, like. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. It, it looks like a, it's got like a very Mayan sort yes. of uh, architecture look to it. I mean, funny enough, because uh, Christian's down in Mexico, but it very much has that the architecture is very much like that. Um, so, yeah. yeah, looks really cool. Very much. Yeah, that's a great description. Um, but yeah, uh, apparently this features a man looking at some sort of ancient city surrounded by lush trees, pink vegetation and waterfalls. Notably, the architecture of this ruin isn't traditional medieval england in its aesthetic so we may be in for something slightly left field for triple a fantasy very interested in this of course they've employed narrative director uh carolina stakria and narrative lead arcadias borowick uh that's a difficult name both of whom (laughs) both of whom previously worked on witcher 2 and witcher 3 which that's really really good um, news there because i think witcher has really good writing so very interested there moving into our street meat gauge there's a rumor that the gears of war series is going to get remasters in the vein of the master chief collection which this is very nice timing that this just came out because i have a video posting on friday that includes this um and this i had it in my video before the story even came out so that was kind of cool um but yeah uh apparently uh remember when they're on the latest episode of xbox era podcast co-host nick baker said remember when there was a rumor mill a while back where i said there was a microsoft franchise that's getting the master chief collection type treatment i am of the belief that it is coming this year and he he was coy about which series he was discussing but then later he name checked gears um so and he even named the timestamp on youtube at that section oh gears collection so apparently he's alluding to gears there but um yeah uh i would i'd be super down for gears collection and hopefully uh hopefully they've learned uh, microsoft has learned from the uh trials and tribulations from the master chief collection and uh have a much better launch for gears of war marcus phoenix collection right this is um this is a great idea it's a really good idea um and i i i think there's very few franchises that it could be like it wouldn't make sense to do a forza because obviously you play the most recent one that has all its online features so it doesn't really make sense to 
for it to be Forza, and I can't really think of any other long. St- I mean, it could be Fable, possibly, but Gears of War, yeah, yeah. it sounds about right. And if all they gotta do is change that stupid sprinting animation, and I will play this all day long. <laughs> all they gotta do. Um, no, I'm, I mean I'm joking, but I, I I might jump into this if they if this is a thing. I mean, obviously it'll come to Game Pass, so yeah. Um, maybe this will be something that me, you, and the guys can play and. Uh, yeah, it's a really good idea. I, I would love to jump back into Gears because I haven't played... I think Gears 2 was the last one I played to completion and I dabbled in 3 Man. and I haven't played them since. So it's been you know over a decade since I've really gotten into Gears. I yeah. have very fond memories of the first one and the second one specifically. I really like the story of Gears. I, it doesn't get enough credit in my opinion. I, the original trilogy was great and even the new trilogy has been great thus far. So story. I've heard amazing things about uh, 5 and I might give that a uh, a go um yeah and i actually i really agreed with you too when uh, uh earlier on a previous episode where you said that when it comes to xbox and their naughty dog equivalent like it's looking like it's it's uh the coalition because yeah. i mean yeah gears 5 was like absolutely gorgeous and it had a fantastic story and yes. well paced and it reviewed really well so yeah i think a collection is i mean with all the buzz that they gotten from five this is a perfect time to get people back into the franchise as a whole agreed We've got a couple of stories from Jeff Grubb and Tom Henderson kind of tag teaming here, Gage and Street Meat. So the first one, uh, they're both saying that The Last of Us remake is coming this holiday, which, woo! Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Is this, so is this going to be the only exclusive from Microsoft or Sony this fall? (laughs) Because we don't have anything else right now from either one. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. Um, Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm excited for The Last of Us remake because I feel like this could be the first PlayStation game that gets a day and date release on PC because mm. the game is theoretically already 10 years right. old, right? Yeah. So why, why, like, you know what I mean? Normally they do their two, three year wait, but it's like, well, this game really came out in 2013. So yeah. I'm hoping that this comes to PC because that is where I would love to play it. I'm also hoping that maybe this is has something to do with factions, and maybe factions is also involved somehow. Like I said, I've, I've, I've gone on record of of having this prediction of some sort of Last of Us collection, where number one, number two, and factions, and hopefully we get some sort of something. But the fact that there's anything Last of Us coming this year is very exciting. Um, yes, I know a lot of people, and myself kind of included, is like, is it really necessary? Because the first True. game holds up so well, but. Rashan and I, I don't know if you mentioned this on the podcast or if this was a private conversation, but I did say to Rashan, it's like, man, I would love to play as Joel with all these new brutal melee <laughs> mechanics and just like, you know, because the, the melee was great in the first game, but like, obviously it's aged since and now you've got the dodging and the dynamic combat. And it's like, man, if I can go back and just play as as Joel and just be this tank and uh, I mean, I would love it. So I'm excited. I'm hoping that this is true. And you know what, Gage? I might be beating The Last of Us Remake before I even beat The Last of Us 2. God <laughs> damn it, back. get on it! I still haven't gone back to it. I'm still upset about it. Uh, but the other story, Sony is... They're also saying that Sony is going to have a showcase in early June, which I would assume that you know we're going to see The Last of Us Remake there if that happens. Um, right. along with, you know, I'm sure we'll get looks at other things like maybe Spider-Man 2, um, even though it's not coming till next year, I'm sure they'll show something. Um, but is yeah. 2023 the release window that they have for Spider-Man 2 right now? Yes. Yep. So I think we'll definitely see some gameplay yeah. or at least an in-game story well, beat or something. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and I and I think we'll get we'll get an answer one way or the one way or another whether or not God of War is coming out, right? Because all signs are pointing to no that it's not coming out this year. But you have Corey Corey Barlog and the animation lead on Twitter in, in response to fans saying no, the game's coming out this. year. It'll be interesting to get a final word on that. Is it coming out this year? Is it not? Um, and uh, I'm I'm excited to see what. I would love for Sony to have a showcase. Um, I would love for them to do it this early yeah. and not wait super long into the summer because um, they're one of like, when it comes to Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo, like they, you really don't know what they have for the for past 2023. We know they're working on Wolverine, and we are assuming that they are working on factions. I don't think they've ever come out and said that that is exactly what it is, but I mean that clearly yeah. is what it is. Um. But aside from those two things, I mean, 2024 and beyond, we have no idea. So I would love to get a bunch of concept trailers and just like, yeah. maybe we see what Corey Barlog's, uh, what his, he's working on, you know, away from God of War, his new IP and stuff like that. So um, I would be very excited to see what Sony has got cooking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Lots to show. Uh, all right, Gage. PXN News of the Week. We've got a couple items here. Um insomniac games and sony are in a little bit of a little bit of a back and forth here uh behind the scenes so essentially i'll I'll break this down for you from the washington post article here so last week playstation president jim ryan sent employees an email asking them to respect differences of opinion around abortion rights in light of the leaked supreme court opinion uh, surrounding roe versus wade stressing that we owe it to each other and to playstation's millions of users to respect differences of opinion among everyone in our in our internal and external community um employees were not pleased with the lighthearted response according to a bloomberg report about the email of course i think that was jason trier um following that gaffe insomniac the sony subsidiary of course um had plans to donate fifty thousand dollars to the women's reproductive rights assistance project according to an internal email sent may 13th from insomniac ceo ted price however So Sony will match the donation along with donations from individual Insomniac employees if they make them via the company's PlayStation Cares program. In addition, Sony now plans to formulate an initiative to provide financial assistance to employees who might have to travel to different states to receive reproductive care. Insomniac will aid in formulating that policy. Okay, where's the how, however? Uh, <laughs> neither company <laughs> plans to tweet about their donation. Okay, here's the however. So, however, neither company plans to tweet about their donations, and Insomniac employees have been forbidden from explicitly mentioning Insomniac or Sony should they decide to retweet any announcements the WRRAP might make, according to the email. Um, so, essentially... Sony doesn't want a public stance on this issue, and uh, their their employees are wanting to make a, a public stance on this. And it's also interesting. I'm going to tie this with a couple of other stories to Gage, and then we can talk about it. But uh, it's interesting because Bungie, who was just recently announced to be uh, eventually acquired by PlayStation, uh, was doing the complete opposite, and they were posting very publicly about um, being against abortion and 
Uh, I am realizing I I linked the wrong post here for the wrong thing. But anyways, uh, yes, they were tweeting out the exact opposite, and uh, that acquisition doesn't go through until early 2023, uh, which is obviously indicative of, of them not being acquired yet. But like, what makes me question that is like when they are acquired, are they going to have, you know, a, a trump card essentially over Bungie to say, hey, you can't do this anymore? Like, I hate to I hate to see that because like the company should be representing their employees. Like if an employee is, or if the majority of employees are saying something like the company should represent those views, the company shouldn't represent like, oh, no, my hands are are clean. I don't want to make any statement on that. Um, um, oh, oh, I for, I'm sorry. I forgot one more story to this as well. And then we right. can, uh, certain affinity also, uh, published a, a post today, Max Hoberman, who is the, uh, head of certain affinity. Of course, many people know him from being one of the design leads, one of the main guys for halo two's development. Um, and he went to create certain affinity right after halo two finished development. Um, and he's always had great stuff for his employees. Um, but uh, he announced today that uh, as a demonstration of our company values, I am making this commit commitment to you. If the state or province that you live in restricts access to what a majority of medical experts consider essential care, and this makes rem- and this makes remaining there unattainable for you and your family, we will cover the pre-approved, documented, reasonable out-of-pocket costs of your relocation to another safer state or province that we operate in. Um, so that's uh, a, a really incredible. yeah, a really great response for, for this, um, for certain Affinity employees. Um, but yeah, uh, again, like going back to the Sony thing, it's just like, I, you have to represent your company as what your employees want to be, I feel like, is the most important thing. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a very complicated situation for sure. Um, I almost wonder if they should instead set a precedent of kind of what Xbox does with Bethesda, where I wonder if Sony and, and these other uh, major conglomerates that own a lot of studios that have a lot of different cultures and and are over the world if they should set a precedent of saying like you know the views expressed by this studio do not reflect sony because that way sony can do their bullshit and pretend that they don't have an opinion on it but there isn't any sort of reason to be shutting down and forbidding because you know what i mean like if if the if, if everybody at insomniac is kind of in agreement on this then it's almost like in a sense, the company that you really work for, the development studio that you interact with on the day to day, that you know, they are, you're all in agreement over something. But this sort of higher entity that you don't really interact with, uh, you know, if you're the average developer, you're not going to meet with Jim Ryan every day. Like they're sort of just telling you, "Hey, no, we own you now. Um, you have to toe the line," which is unfortunate. I mean, obviously, this this issue is very complicated. I think that. Um, uh, I, it's it's so it's so weird to me that that this is even happening because it seems like the United States is very. I, I'm speaking as a Canadian, uh, but the United States, if I remember correctly, the First Amendment has to do with separation of church and state. In that, um, you know, you you can't make laws based off of religion to affect everyone who may or may not follow that religion. So, right. the whole idea of you know abortion being overturned in Roe v. Wade is is very interesting because it's like. Pro-choice doesn't necessarily mean 
pro-abortion. It means that you right. respect somebody's right to choose. And I, I saw this great video. It's uh, from the Young Turks, who I normally don't watch. I'm normally not a fan of them, but the the female host, I'm forgetting her name, unfortunately, but she went on this amazing rant where she just started freaking out. She was saying, like, you know, you are allowed to practice your religion. You are allowed to. I will fight for your right to do that. But you don't get to govern someone who doesn't believe in that religion based on the rules of your religion, yeah. which is a big part of Roe v. Wade. It's not the only part. There are other people who are non-religious who are against abortion. So that is a thing. But that is the biggest sort of argument there. So it is crazy to me to, to see PlayStations trying to sit on the fence when it's not even really like a, you know, you can be pro-choice and not pro-abortion. Like, it's very strange to me that they're that they're trying to take this really the stance that's hard to defend i mean right it, it's so hard to defend that jim ryan and his email started talking about fucking cats and dogs because he knows it's yeah it's it's really hard to you know he, he said his little please be nice to everyone uh but also how about cats it's like it's a really hard hill to die on to say that you don't believe that medical um you know medical professionals who for the majority agree that this should be an option and there's a multitude of reasons not just the most extremes of why someone might want this procedure it's it's a very hard hill to die on so it's very strange that they are with certain with certain of their uh, teams yes. trying to draw these lines it's very strange to me agreed and like you put it very well there because i i've not really spoken uh too in depth about my views on that on this podcast but like right. what you described is pretty much the way i would think of it because like I respect the women's decision to choose, but I'm not necessarily pro-abortion, like like what you're saying. But again, like again, it comes down to the woman and her decision on you know what situation she is in. So like, there's absolutely many circumstances where uh, abortion is something that should be considered because of the circumstances. You know whether you know we don't have to get into that there. For here. sure, I don't want to. Like yeah. Yeah, and, and everybody goes to the extreme ones of like, oh, well, that's the one exception. But it's like, no, there's a lot. Right. There's, you know, uh, is this person financially stable? Is this person yeah. emotionally, uh, mentally mature? Like what was, you know, there are other steps in between that extreme one right. and, cons and, and a consensual interaction. There's a lot of gray areas in between those two that could lead to that where it's like, was yeah. this person aware of certain things that maybe transpire? Like, yeah, there's so many, the fact that there's there can be so many exemptions to the rule is is when i immediately go okay well then the rule's flawed so this idea of no we're going to outlaw this you can't do this anymore if there's as soon as there's more than like one or two exemption exceptions and there's all these different gray areas of why somebody might need this procedure then my mind immediately goes to well then this should be available right, right. this shouldn't be a thing it's, it's it's very simple it's kind of like the free speech thing where it's like i am a big supporter of free speech and it only has a couple of exemptions you can't can't scream fire in a crowded movie theater right. and you can't you can't call for Threaten. violence yeah. and that is it those are the only exemptions and i'm like cool so that's a good rule because that makes sense you don't have a million different caveats right of what of okay here okay there so when people say that yeah you know anti-abortion and then you bring up well what about a b c d you know f g and then it's like well you know yeah i yeah i think that um and and I do, and it's, it's unfortunate because I do kind of agree with Jim Ryan where it's like everybody should be allowed to have different opinions. Like I understand how somebody could be feeling this way, but again, you can be anti-abortion and you can try and convince people to not do that while still, you know, respecting that people who don't believe in what you believe in should have options that, you know, are outside of your religion or your beliefs or whatever. That's fair. 
Um, so I'm going to include this here because I, uh, I meant to put this in our uh, top story on Quick Bites and I completely butchered this. But uh, Bungie also put a little note out about the uh, uh, people that were affected by the tragedy in Buffalo, New York. Um, they tweeted, our hearts go out to those impacted by this past weekend's tragedy in Buffalo, New York. Our Be Heard pin is available on the Bungie store and all profits are donated to the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is a, a catalyst for racial justice in the South and beyond, um, which is really, really cool. The pin also comes with an emblem so players can show their support in Destiny 2. Um, and it's a Black Lives Matter uh, emblem and uh, nameplate. So uh, Bungie has always been very outspoken uh, on all these issues. So it's great to see them on the forefront of that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I butchered that. I put it in the wrong spot. <laughs> um, but uh, no reward. I mean, always reward consistency, right? Bungie's been very consistent. I mean, yeah. even as a kid playing Halo One and Two and seeing those messages that pop up when you beat the game, it's like it's they've always. It doesn't. It doesn't really. It, it's, it's funny. Rashan made made a great tweet. Unfortunately, where you have all these people just being assholes on Twitter, but it's like they've been consistent. They have always had this sort of philosophy and and, and sort of mission statement whatever you want to call it of putting people first and and uh yeah no i i i don't think this is an act at all i i commend bungie for sticking to their guns and remaining consistent with their views and how they treat their employees and and the sort of ideas that they want to reward and spread and the causes that they want to support it's it's good it's it's all good stuff absolutely uh, Gage, our last story. <laughs> Finally, we've made it here. Uh, this, <laughs> we, I apologize. We just we we'll, we've had a lot to talk about today. You know, um, some PlayStation Plus games have officially been revealed for the new service. Gage, and there is a quite quite a good quite a good list. I'm pretty happy with this list so far. Yeah. And this is just a partial list, list, of course, but um, for the PlayStation Plus Extra and Premium uh, plans, they have a, a giant list of games, many first-party and third-party games. Um, so a lot of the older games uh, on here, like Alienation, Bloodborne, Concrete Genie, Days Gone, I won't go through all of them, but uh, Marvel, Spider-Man, Miles Morales are both on here as well. Um, basically... Uh, a ton of the first party games are on here as well as third party games like guardians of the galaxy which of course is in game pass as well uh so they're kind of sharing in that regard batman arkham knight um control resident evil there's a lot of really good stuff in here uh that i commend sony for it looks like a really solid start to their service um, and they also announced that ubisoft plus classics will launch with extra and premium tiers um, which Ubisoft Plus Classics is a collection of their classic um, games, so to speak, uh, I guess, um, games that have already released, uh, including Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is their most recent Assassin's Creed game, which is great. Um, so this will launch with 27 titles and will grow to 50 by the end of 2022. So that's that's a really good get right there. Yeah. Um as well as they have revealed their classic games. PlayStation has announced their classic games catalog for PlayStation Plus. And personally, I think this is the weakest part of it. Uh, I think the the classic games are not so high 
the uh, high mark here. Yeah. We got Ape Escape. Um, we got Siphon Filter, but a lot of the other stuff is pretty much uh, filler in my eyes. Um, right. So, yeah, but overall, pretty pretty satisfying start here for the new service. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out and, and what the analytics are and how many people sign up for this and if the if the, if the average PlayStation sort of consumer thinks that these extra tiers are worth it. It'd be very curious to see. I mean, I don't have much to say because I don't have a PlayStation currently. I yeah. don't think I would... I don't think I would sign up for this just because there's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I, a lot of people are still waiting to see too how, you know, how the streaming works, how yeah. it, how it feels, what games are able to be streamed and which games are able to be downloaded because that's still a little fuzzy as well. So it's very, I'm very curious to see what this is. I hope that I hope it works out because um, yeah. they've got a lot of great games that are kind of stuck in the past because of their lack of uh, hardware based. <laughs> Uh, backwards compatibility so um yep yeah like everybody on this show we're all very pro game preservation so my 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 only concern with this is that is this enough we just sort of satiate what people want from these older games or is this going to be like uh you know playstation now or it hardly works and there's a lot of input <laughs> lag and it's it's just a you know a nightmare to use so yeah we'll, we'll have to wait and see yeah absolutely absolutely gauge we're moving into our announcements here for pxn's best open world game of all time uh of course last week ro and christian announced their four picks those polls have ended and uh christian's winner of course was elden ring uh he was sweating it out though because batman was uh pretty close there in the beginning uh even at the end really it was pretty close um, and Roshan's uh, Marvel Spider-Man uh, won his list there. So now, Gage, we're going to announce ours uh, right now, and we're going to just go back and forth like Christian and Ro did um, on our picks here. And, um, yeah, our individual polls will go up starting tomorrow, so make sure you come back tomorrow. Um, I'm going to try and have them posted at uh, noon Eastern time. And it will go for two days. So Gage, yours is going to start tomorrow, go for two days. And then mine will start on Saturday and go for two days, which will end Monday. And then Monday, that's an important date because Monday is when the final poll starts. And that will go for two days, which will run to the podcast episode. And it will end in the middle of the podcast episode next week, which we'll be finding the live results for PXN's best open world game. Very exciting. Very cool. Uh, Gage, what's your first game on your list for best open world game? Well, it's interesting. My first and your first, we're kind of going, we're kind of yeah. going head to head here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my, my first pick uh, for best open world game. Um, uh, so all of my picks, I tried to, I'm, I'm guessing we all did. I mean, looking at the, looking at the, everybody's picks here it's, it's clear that we all had the same idea but it's like what game really took that genre and and really use it to its fullest extent and for me um my first pick is fallout new vegas um i i love the fallout series i love the previous game for me fallout new vegas what it did so well with the open world genre is that it sort of took some of the restrictions in previous games and loosened them so that you really could kind of craft your character with a lot more freedom than uh 
than many games uh, of, of, of many different franchises will let you do. So I, I absolutely adore Fallout New Vegas. It has an iconic map. You've got the Hoover Dam. You've got, uh, you know, the house and the strip. And it's just, it's, it's a fantastic game. I got lost in it when I first played it. It was the first Fallout that I played. Um, and uh, I just, I cannot, <laughs> I will never forget how hooked I got in this game and how, um, especially living in the, in the time of, you know, I've got a, I've got a very powerful PC and we, we both have Xbox Series Xs. So living in, in the time of, of solid state drives, I remember back when I was playing Fallout New Vegas and you would <laughs> enter, enter a room and it's same for your, for your pick, no spoilers, but you know, you, you go in, you go into a house and you wait 45 seconds and then yeah. you go in there, you just have to talk to somebody. Then you go back out, you're waiting like a minute and it's just like, it didn't affect me at all. I was yeah. that hooked into this game that I was sitting there watching that little thing spin and just waiting. Mm -hmm. um, and you got so many different characters and side quests and, and um, yeah, I, I think it's a fantastic game and it's, it's one of the games that really, um, yeah, takes the open world to its fullest potential. Yeah. Really great. Obsidian is a masterclass. Love it. They did a fantastic job uh so on the back of that of course mine is very similar fallout 3 is on mine and yeah fallout 3 just such an incredible game man the world is so freaking amazing like the fact that they took like this top-down weird like isometric-esque uh rpg and turned it into a first slash third person uh post-apocalyptic you know just wasteland open world wasteland was just so cool and like there's so many cool areas that you could go to like megaton what a cool fucking idea yes. for a city uh surrounded by the the bomb and rivet making city? The decisions. rivet city was fantastic rivet city yes and like yep. all the little even like the little stories like the little stories you would find in fallout 3 you'd just be like what the hell is going on this is so cool like the yep. you know you have the um cannibals and you have the the people that are uh the kids uh that are like i was gonna say camp colony. little light that was fallout 3 wasn't it yes yeah that was an excellent little side so cool to find. yeah yep it's it's just like the those little touches were just so cool and like the biggest thing for me in fallout like the music is so fucking perfect oh. it fits the world perfectly to a t and like um one of my f most fond memories was uh, uh i was playing in my room one day and my my grandparents were over uh actually having dinner and like it's got it was kind of a tradition for us uh to to go out to you know church together and we would go back out to dinner or bring dinner back to our house and and do that so i was playing fallout 3 actually um in my bedroom my grandpa came in and he's like what are you what are you listening to you're like listening to my kind of music i'm like <laughs> yeah this is awesome like it's just so cool and uh i just thought it was cool that we could like kind of share that moment um over over our video game so yeah very cool great game great pick yeah yeah um moving on to my second pick it is the one and only grand theft auto 5 um we've all we've all made comments that we're we're sick of it and it's 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 overstayed it's welcome and i mean gta online it it still makes a ton of money and it still sells but when i when i say gta gta 5 i'm talking about you know the, the base game that that launched and that we got to play and that we got to experience and and um 
I mean, I could I could make an argument for GTA Online and how that sandbox has just gotten off the walls. But really, when I say GTA Five, I'm just talking about the the, the story mode, the campaign, and and that yes. sandbox. It's it's incredible. I mean, when when you the fact that it that it launched on on the 360 and and uh, and the PS3 as well is is another thing to just take into account. But um, I think we've talked about this in the podcast before. But Grand Theft Auto, you know, it does flying better than most flying games it does driving yeah. you know really competently and and better than most open world games and the shooting was fantastic and um it just it really it, it was really just a sandbox of what rockstar is capable of and um there was a i remember the ign review at the time it gave it you know a 10 out of 10 it might have been it might have been somebody like greg miller or colin morley or somebody like that i can't remember but um there was an excellent little sort of end to that article, to that review, um, which, uh, you know, this is September, 20, 2013. This is before, this is just months before the PS4 and the Xbox one. And that, that little sign off for that review of GTA five, um, was, uh, you know, the new generation starts when rockstar says it starts. And I thought yeah. that, that was such a, such a beautiful way to put it because that game was so far ahead of anything else. And it was, it was incredible. Yeah, um, the, the just the variety of locales and vehicles to use and how all of them function. It again, similar to all of our picks. It takes it takes that open world format and it it puts it to the to the absolute most. Um, so just an incredible game to fool around in and to uh, just a, an absolute sandbox. And we're all eagerly awaiting GTA Six for the same reason because. Rockstar really does sort of decide when the next generation of gaming starts. I echo all those sentiments. Great game. My second one, Gage, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. Uh, such an underappreciated game, I feel like. Like yes. just looking back, like obviously got, you know, some some acclaim, but uh the biggest thing in that game, the nemesis system, such a unique feature to like have these unique bosses that like know and remember you from previous encounters and like, you know, they'll remember if you spared them and and they ran away or got away and then they come back and they're like, I'm back. And do you remember me when this happened? It's just so cool. Like that concept of like a, a constant retaining like knowledge in the game of what you've done with this character in the past. Um, and also it, it like combined many mechanics from other games like Assassin's Creed's climbing with a uh, kind of like a, sort of Batman-esque uh, combat system, sort of. Right. Um, and actually, the Assassin's Creed part's kind of funny because there was, there was you know, rumors the out there that, yeah, the, le- the code was kind of stolen from Assassin's Creed. But, um, uh, yeah, such a good game and a, a great licensed game, which uh, I feel like isn't necessarily, uh, it's kind of few and far between nowadays. So. I will say that you're, you know, talking about the Nemesis system and, and how incredible that was um also something that could only happen in an nonlinear game right you couldn't yeah. have if you if you beat the first boss and they just continue on to the next one it, you couldn't have a nemesis system yeah. right? so that that's a great that's why i said to you when we were looking at this before the show that that is an excellent pick because one of it, its its standout system is has to be unique to a non-linear open world game that's the only place you could use that so Yes. Excellent pick. I, I uh, now, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor is a game that I slept on, yes. and actually, friend of the show Glenn is the person who 
sort of sat me down. I was like, you're going to watch me play this, and then you're going to try it. And then I played it, and I was like, yep, this is a really good game. This is really good. Now, I will say, as a kind of a, um, a honorable mention, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales, I was debating between that and this, so I will just throw that out there. That was one of my honorable mentions. So, right. very good game as well. Um, okay, moving on to my third pick. Um... It was a toss-up between which one to go with, but I'm going with another Rockstar <laughs> game, uh, what I believe to be still to this day their best game, which is the original Red Dead Redemption. Um, it, comparing it to the second one, it, it, it's tough when you're trying to decide which one to go with, but I went with this one because I felt that Red Dead Redemption 1, it had so much... It felt like it had more environmental sort of impact. And mm. when I think of Red Dead 2, I think of specifically the story beats. But when I think of Red Dead 1, a lot of people think of like crossing over to Mexico for the first time and what a surreal experience that was and the music hitting. And you're just, you're just holding A, you're just sort of riding, but it's still this incredible moment because that world was so well designed and so well realized. And, um, I mean, obviously, I've spoken at uh, I've spoken at this at length, but John Marston is is my favorite fictional character of all time. So, obviously, spending time with him in an open world and hearing him react to things was was amazing to me. But yeah, it's just it's just seeing black water and you know, tall trees and all these locales that were just incredible. And um, and uh, Undead Nightmare, the DLC that launched with it, yes. is, I think Rockstar's best DLC they've ever done. It is absolutely insane that they did not do something similar for Red Dead 2, especially <laughs> with like their survival, light, and looting mechanics that they added to it. It's it baffles me that they did not make an Undead Nightmare 2. I feel like that would have been a an, an home run just sitting on the T-ball, just waiting to be hit. Um, but yeah, Red Dead 1 is just it's incredible to me. I'll never forget this game. It's um it's in my top three. I love it. And uh yeah, I'll never forget crossing over into Mexico and that entire four or five minute sort of trek that you do and this beautiful song just plays in the background it's uh it's a very special game and i think it's one of the best i think it is their best absolutely gauge moving to my third one assassin's creed 4 black flag uh of course assassin's creed always was an open world game but like Black Flag, I really feel like they just opened up the the gambit and were just like, let's just go crazy with it, and it's so good. The the ship combat, I feel like, was way ahead of its time. It was such a freaking amazing experience to get to. It felt great, too, to sail the ship. Like, it felt good. Oh, yeah. Yes, it felt so good. And, like, all the islands, I just remember, were so, like, beautiful. Like, the colors were, like, popping between the water and, and the palm trees and all of that, like such a good aesthetic edward kenway such a freaking amazing character i loved his character and that's coming from someone who hated assassin's creed 3's protagonist which was God connor damn kenway. It. i apologize i did not like connor at all and uh when edward was introduced in the sequel i was like oh, i don't know if i'm gonna like this and then I just got to know it, and I was like, yes, I, this is perfect. I love it so much. Um, the story was great. Uh, and, yeah, uh, it's it's just, it's like the pinnacle of Assassin's Creed for me. Like, uh, I feel like after that, they kind of started to go on a slide a little bit. But, um, right. yeah, that game. Identity crisis almost after that one. Yeah, that game. So good. I, I'll say, too, another great pick, because this is almost a double open world where you have 
you're sailing your ship in an open sea, but then yes. every time you land on an island, that is also an open world for you to explore, right? So yeah. in terms of the best open world game, that's almost like a double a double whammy. So that's an excellent pick. And yeah. and um, not too big also. Like Odyssey is such Odyssey is a really good game, but like it's too big. It's fucking yeah. gigantic. It's absurd. Yeah. And that's a problem with Ubisoft going forward. And I saw I don't know if you guys talked about this on one of the one of the previous episodes where I was off, but they patented some AI technology that's going to make their 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 worlds even bigger. And I'm like, oh, nobody no. wants this. We want more detailed worlds. Right. There is no reason for an open world game to be bigger than Assassin's Creed Odyssey. That game yeah. is absolutely massive. Yes. Uh, so just keep keep that the same size, and then just add more things in it and make it more detailed. Like. Yeah, they don't. Black Flag was great for that because it, similar to Marvel Spider Man, I never felt the need to fast travel. Everything was. Yes. It felt like it was a, a decent distance away, and like and like we said, sailing felt good and yes. crashing against the waves. Like it was. It was yeah, it fun. was great. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, my final pick is going back into um, actually uh, a lot everything except for GTA is like uh, 2009 era, 2010 era. Um, I cannot Far Cry believe. 2. I cannot believe it. Far Cry 2, man. I love I love this game. It was the first it was the first Far Cry game that I played. Um and uh similar to everything that we've talked about like using certain um gameplay mechanics to enhance that open world format. I mean, I love that when you wanted to look at the map, your character actually brought up a physical map and it didn't pause the game around you. You had to kind of like if you were driving, he'd bring up his map and you'd sort of have to <laughs> Look down at the map while you're still. It was very, very neat, and like you had your your diamond caches that you'd use your little um, pager to find, and um, you get to the end of the map, and and then sort of you got to pull up another map, and now it's you have to sort of figure out your bearings, and it was just it made it made again exploring that open world fun. It made it um, it made it enjoyable just to get from point A to point B, which I think is an important. Um, characteristic of all of our picks right like talk about marvel spider-man we talk about assassin's creed like a really good open world game it makes it so that you don't want to hit that fast travel button you actually want to traverse i am curious uh did you like the mechanic of the like your vehicle breaking down and having to repair it like all the time mind the vehicle i thought you're gonna bring up the malaria bullshit. oh that no, too no yeah. nobody likes that nobody yeah. likes that which is why they never they're like what if we had a protagonist who is terminally <laughs> ill and yeah. it caused you nothing but sorrow it's like well that might be really good in like a story driven telltale type game but yeah. in an action you know first person shooter no i don't like coughing and wheezing every 30 seconds and having to make sure i got my medication on my yeah I, I didn't i didn't mind the vehicle stuff but like i'm i i kind of have a um um an affinity for for the sort of more sandboxy simulation like i i play games like arma which a lot of people would play and be like this is the most boring thing ever so i i could understand how the vehicles your vehicles breaking down and if you hit things too much you gotta pop the hood and repair it i could see how that would get boring but for me that just added to that sort of ambiance of trekking through the african wilderness and yeah, yeah. i i think far cry 2 is fantastic in terms of its um, yeah, I mean, you can make an argument for Far Cry Three as well. I mean, uh, absolutely. Game, but there's just something about yeah, pulling up the map and having to repair your vehicles and all this stuff, and really having to think about can I get from point A to point B that makes Far Cry Two kind of stand out as a pick. Yeah, the Africa setting was really cool in Far Cry. Beautiful, yeah. yeah. The uh, fire spreading mechanics, obviously, that was, that was really cool for, for its time. Yeah. 
Glenn, I, I missed your comment. I apologize. He said, didn't Shadow of Mordor win a Game of the Year or something? I don't think they won Game of the Year, but they did have like a Game of the Year edition. Sometimes developers do that. Like they release a Game of the Year edition that yeah. includes all DLC, but I don't think it actually won Game of the Year. But um, yeah, it was still a great game, though. Well, I see what you're saying, too. Like it was it was critically reviewed really well, but it, it did not get a lot of buzz, right? It definitely, right. I see what you mean when you say it's underrated. Like yeah. it's... It might have gotten nominated for rewards, and it might have gotten really well done, really well critically. But you didn't hear anyone talking about it outside of that, right? Even though it was a well-made game. Right. Yep. Uh, my final one gauge is probably one of the bigger ones. Uh, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Such a freaking banger of a freaking open world. It is so good. Uh, obviously, like. Here's the crazy part. I'm not a as much as I talk about Breath of the Wild as being like such a freaking monumental game for me. I'm not even a big Zelda f like fan. Like I've played, I've completed Ocarina of Time. I've dabbled in uh, in Majora's Mask, and I've played and I've completed Breath of the Wild. That's my extent of my Legend of Zelda knowledge. So, right. uh, but yes, like when I got my Switch, I was so, so excited to just constantly be in this world. And I was literally, I played it all in handheld mode. Over a hundred hours I put into this game. Like the, the shrines were just so cool to me. Like every shrine you went to felt very different. Like there was really cool puzzles you could do in each shrine. Or I, some of them were puzzles, but some of them were combat ones, which I thought was really cool. Um, but they were all unique in that aspect. Um, and in, in fact, I actually enjoyed the puzzle ones even more because I was like, I, I just like finding out like how to get through these really cool Zelda puzzles. Um, and yeah, the open world is absolutely beautiful and breathtaking and, and the beasts, uh, were really cool to like see on the map, like moving around. Um, and the story was good and yeah, the, all the cities that you got to travel around to was really cool. I just, I really liked the game. It was really amazing and well done. And yeah, I'm excited for the sequel when it inevitably comes out, hopefully next year. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't play this one. I can't speak to it. Yeah. But from everything I've seen online and I have seen many gameplay videos, it, it does. It takes it's it takes that uh, open world format and it takes it very seriously. And it, the, the environmental puzzles that I've seen and even just crafting campfires and how everything is sort of very tactile and sexual. It, it, yeah, I, I would not be surprised if this overwhelmingly wins your poll. <laughs> it's a great pick. Yeah. All right, moving into what you got for me, Gage. I'm going to try to go through mine quick because we are running very long. I apologize. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, so we are back, Gage. I got my account back for freaking yeah. Xbox after 16 days. They still couldn't tell me why my account was locked out, but I'm back in it, and I'm happy. And Quick shout-out to Juan. Who, yes. Uh, who came in clutch. Juan from Microsoft Support. And also, quick shout-out, Gage. I alluded to this last week, and I haven't confirmed this, but I'm 99.9% .9 sure that my email that I sent to Phil Spencer is the reason why I have my account back, because I'm not going to explain the whole thing, because it's going to take too long, and we're already long as it is. But essentially, Phil Spencer, I sent an email to him. He got me to Juan, and Juan fixed my account. So, yeah. 
Very appreciative. Daddy Phil. Yes, thank you, Phil. Love you. Uh, and also, uh, last Friday, I released my hype video for the summer of games. It used to be E3 hype video, but now summer hype video. Uh, very cool. I love doing those every year. Um, so check that out on my personal channel. XDTM3000X is the channel name, or you can just search my name, Daniel Prindle. Uh, yeah, I created that when I was a little kid. Awful, awful, awful. Yeah, I have to get to a hundred subscribers to change it again, though, because <laughs> back in the day you could change it, you know, whenever. But now you need a hundred subscribers. Anyways, uh, also my Xbox and Bethesda predictions are coming this Friday on my personal channel, which I alluded to a little bit before with the Gears Marcus Phoenix collection. That might be in my predictions. So, uh, yeah, check that out on Friday. But Gage, what you got for me? Uh. Uh, I've been playing a little bit of everything, but the one that stands out to me is I, I had a, uh, a bunch of friends over last weekend, and we got into Overcooked. We we, we threw that on, and yeah. um, my god, if you have four people on a couch, and it is so much fun. It's like a it's like a, a really well fought out Mario Party mini game, but there's enough to it that it absolutely can make its own game, and just just good fun. Everybody's screaming at each other. You got somebody. <laughs> chopping vegetables and the other person's running plates back and forth and the other person's you know grabbing the uh, ingredients and somebody's watching the pot and making sure that it doesn't boil over it's it's fun it's chaos it's chaotic it's it's just a really good time i highly recommend that if you do try this out you bring a couple friends over and um that's that's probably where you'll have the most fun with it and yeah just a really good time again shout out to game pass for allowing people to you know explore these games that they otherwise might not have paid money for so yeah overcooked is great i'm about to jump into overcooked too and uh yeah highly recommend very fun uh party style game yeah overcooked is great really cool uh topic of the show gauge here we go starfield and redfall have officially been delayed to 2023 uh bethesda posts on twitter we've made the decision to delay the launches of redfall and starfield to the first half of 2023 the teams at arcane austin for redfall and bethesda game studios for starfield have incredible ambitions for their games and we want to ensure that you receive the best most polished versions of them we want to thank everyone for the excitement for Redfall and Starfield. That energy is a huge part of what inspires all of us every day and drives our own excitement for what we are creating. We can't wait to share our first deep dive into the gameplay for both Redfall and Starfield soon, hopefully at the Xbox event next month. Um, so with that being said, uh, there's been a lot of discussion online. First off, I just want to go here. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion online. Like some people I'm seeing say like Phil Spencer sucks. He's the worst. Like all this stuff. First off, no, he doesn't fuck you because he got me back into my fucking account. Uh, but first, second off, like Phil, Phil loves games. Like there is nobody that I can picture at the top of a CEO chart that loves games. Like Phil fucking loves games. You can see him on his Xbox account every day, like playing a right. different game. Like the dude loves games. What now does he do everything correctly all the time? No, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. However, we can talk about like what, what could be improved. So like, um, how, how do we think like this, first party situation could be improved gauge like there's been a lot of you know delays and issues lately with microsoft's first party um and obviously bethesda is part of that like 
What do we think like are some ways that that this can improve going forward for him? Yeah, I mean, anyone who's trying to throw Phil Spencer on the bus is, is an idiot because yeah. he is single-handedly saved the Xbox brand. I mean, yeah, there's, that's no, it's not that's not hyperbole. That's not me giving him too much credit. I mean, he did that. I mean, the Xbox was in a horrible spot in, in the mid aughts in, in 2013, 2014, 2015. Now it's become what it is today with Game Pass and leading the uh, industry in certain ways. So, no, Phil Spencer is absolutely the right man for the job. But I think that I think there is an issue with with how many studios they have and and um, and their hierarchy. There absolutely is an issue here. Um. Not uh, Halo Infinite, as we've discussed, absolutely needed to be delayed, and it probably needed to be delayed more than it was. But th- there is absolutely something to say for having your flagship franchise not launch with your new console, right? Like that is that is a huge issue, and and there have been years where we've gotten an incredible amount of awesome content from Xbox, and then there are years where there's absolutely nothing, and it it just doesn't seem like Sony has that problem. It seems like for all of their faults, um. And I, I don't think I don't think their games are one of them. I think, as I've said many times, I think they make better games than Xbox in terms of a first party capacity. But they always they always had them spaced out in a way that you're getting something every six months that you're looking for, right? Whether it's Ratchet or Spider Man or God of War remake or The Last of Us or Ghost of Tsushima. I mean, that's the only time I can think of where they maybe had games too crowded. But even then, you'd rather have too many games coming out for your system than, yeah. than not enough, right? So Xbox does have a history of having these really off years where they just can't seem to get into a rhythm. And it, maybe it has to do with when they're acquiring studios. If they already have things in the pipeline, you can't really tell them to stop working on something for six months just to make make sure that it comes yeah. out in an off time, right? But I do wonder if maybe they need to, and maybe this is what the Gears of War collection could be, is that maybe they need to have games ready and and sit on them and hold them maybe until, uh, especially if they're a remake or a remaster, yeah. just sit on them and, and try and create this flow where you're getting something, you're getting at least one or two really great Xbox exclusives a year. And you're, you know, I, I mean, I know he's mentioned that he wants to do more than that. I know that there is an Xbox Wire um last year that mentioned that they want to have one big exclusive every quarter but it's going to take a lot of management to get to that and i think that yeah i don't know if it has to do with rearranging a hierarchy or maybe even they have so many studios now or maybe just having one person being the head of xbox studios isn't enough maybe they need to have multiple right so there is something to be improved here i just i don't know exactly what it is we all know the philosophy that needs to be improved which is just their timeline and their timing but how do you do that i mean i have i have no idea i i think you have some really great points though gage like i think that's a really great idea about remasters and remakes like you know nobody's clamoring for a remaster necessarily like or would be upset to not see it come out sooner so like maybe you do hold on to that for when you have like a dead time uh of the year for you like that's a really good point and really good idea just don't announce it and right. just sit on it yeah uh you can announce it and then come out like three or four months later like that wouldn't be a that wouldn't be a big deal for a remaster so that yeah that's really good idea and yeah i i feel like their problem with their first party studios right now is a lot of the acquisitions that they made at the same time 
were all at a time where they were just releasing a game or they were about to release a game. So like you get in the situation where Obsidian, they purchased Obsidian, but they were already were committed to um, Private Division to release the Outer Worlds. So right. they still released the Outer Worlds. That game came out. It didn't necessarily get uh, uh, attributed to Xbox Game Studios because it was already part of another thing. But now this developer doesn't have anything ready for, you know, probably three years or so because, you know, they just put that out. Um, And they're in similar situations with other studios as well, because, you know, you have studios like uh, Playground has actually done a phenomenal job. Playground has released probably the most games out of all those studios that they have acquired. But like Ninja Theory, they acquired shortly after Hellblade came out. Uh, that's another example. Uh, there, there's many examples you can point to from their acquisitions. Bethesda, they purchased Bethesda, which is all-encompassing Bethesda. So many of the decisions of release timing and all of that were probably already made before they acquired them last year. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I think time will definitely help with that. Uh, as time goes on, we're going to get more games uh, from these studios inevitably finishing them. But yeah um but i guess i don't know if this is my last question or if if you have any other thoughts but um do you think like is it as simple as just giving the developers more time or are there deeper issues like i know we've talked about other issues before like one of my issues is, you know, contract work. Like contractors don't get the same appreciation, so therefore they don't care to work as hard and don't have as much motivation to make the product as good as it can be because they're temporary employees essentially. So like I, I feel like Microsoft uh, almost emphasizes uh, contract work too much in their first party developers. And I get that you, you probably have to have some of that because, you know, the overhead on game development is probably insane. But like, you also have to incentivize people to want to work at these studios that are supposed to be world renowned studios, you know, like PlayStation has or uh, many other you know, Nintendo or whatever. Um, right. So, yeah. Uh, do you think, do you think, I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, obviously, like we've all said, like a delayed game is never worse than a, than a game that's not delayed, right? So, I mean, giving devs time is absolutely part of it. I think that you bring up a really good point with how, when they acquired studios. I mean, we really haven't seen, um, we haven't seen Bethesda, what Bethesda looks like and what they do under Xbox's rule. Because like you said, mm-hmm. a, a lot of these games that have come out have been well in development, right? So it's it's a lot of Xbox acquiring these guys and saying, hey, what are you working on? This okay, cool. When do you think it'll be done? Then okay, all right. And then they they just release it when it's when it's done. But now that uh, for every game that these studios wrap, now they are starting a project under the Xbox banner. So it sucks because of. I mean, we want to see results immediately, but with how with how these games work with you know three, four, five year development cycles, I mean, we're really not going to see um, how Bethesda operates under Xbox until the coming years, right? So. Um, I, I agree with what you said. Like, I think that it's important to have a good culture, a good development culture, and obviously relying heavily on contract work is the opposite. Of it because yeah. you can have these people who come in and have maybe get attached to the project and have really good ideas, but you ship them off and then you have somebody else come in. And like you've mentioned plenty of times, you maybe have somebody who gets into a workflow and knows what they're doing, and then somebody comes in and now 
they've yeah, never exactly. worked with this engine before and they have to spend time relearning as as well as trying to fit with the team and and get into that mindset so i think that i think that is a huge issue um obviously we've talked about it with 343 and, and particularly them because they are such a flagship for, uh studio and they rely heavily on contract work so i i do wonder if this is a symptom of microsoft and xbox division being so huge that it's kind of like they are they maybe are losing control of of the finer operations right obviously you don't want to be micromanaged but if if phil spencer is kind of or or sorry head of xbox i keep getting his name um uh booty matt booty matt booty um um you know it's getting to a point where like i said maybe there needs to be another man to help him or or or, uh, another person or change up the hierarchy because it's like how can you manage all of these studios right? right you've got microsoft has acquired so many and they're looking to acquire more i mean we're halfway through the activision acquisition right so True. um maybe it gets to the point where they where you know 343 says shit we need help now uh we're just gonna contract and matt booty just replies to your email says yeah do what you need to do and it's like well mm. you guys need to sit down and really sort of reevaluate and yeah and create a culture uh you have a, a studio that like like Naughty Dog, Naughty Dog, like we always compare them because that's Sony's flagship studios. Like there is a culture at Naughty Dog. The games they make are very similar, not in a negative way, but in their tone and in their how every game pushes the bar. Like there is a culture at Naughty Dog where it's like we are here to make the best games that we can, and um, that's hard when you have uh, you know a, a majority, not a majority, but like a, a large portion of your workforce, somebody who's coming in temporary and maybe does want to stay, but maybe doesn't have the opportunity and yeah, I, I think that in this case, more management is required, or at least a sort of reshuffling and re- reinvigoration, in some sense of of all these studios and what they can do and what they should be working on and, and how to get there. And to their credit, they have done that, that a little bit because, of course, Pete Hines is still heading up Bethesda, so essentially right. everyone at Bethesda still reports to Pete Hines. So. They, to their credit, they have done a little bit in that regard, um, for the specifically for the Bethesda acquisition. But you're right; there, it's a lot to manage. There's a ton I, of studios. I almost wonder if they need another Pete Hines. Like, if they almost, it's almost like because you're you're absolutely right, and that's what they did with Bethesda was was perfect, and it's what Bungie plans on, or it's what PlayStation plans on doing with Bungie, which I think is the right call. Where it's like we're acquiring a studio that's so big or a publisher that's so big, yeah. we're gonna let them keep doing their thing. But the problem is, is that they've acquired so many. St- one-off studios mm-hmm. that they don't realize that like they've almost made the xbox game studios publish publishing division twice as big as it was before so it's almost like maybe you need to lump like your initiative your 343 and your coalition into a sub almost like a sub publisher or, or its own division and have somebody look after look after that right. and then you have your obsidians and your uh your ninja theories and you know, all those teams your rares yeah. in their own other division right and you have somebody who's managing them to me that's kind of like it seems like that's what they need because yeah they have pete hines for bethesda but then they have like 24 other studios that right that don't fit into any one publisher that matt booty is responsible for all of them theoretically right so i almost wonder and i just thought of that now with you saying that about pete hines i wonder if maybe that's something that they should pursue is splitting up some of these uh, development studios that have similar cultures or similar weight to them to their own divisions within Xbox that have somebody that they can report to who then 
then Matt Booty, instead of Matt Booty talking to 24 different studio heads, yeah. he talks to the one or three division heads that then, you know what I mean? Almost creating right. more of a pyramid structure. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a lot of good suggestions and it'll be interesting. Yeah, Phil, we sure. know you're listening. So yeah. uh, take note, Phil. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you another email, Phil. So you say, hey, watch the podcast we talked about. you. We, we defended your honor, Phil. Defended your honor, Phil. Big Daddy Phil. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else, Gage? Before we close out the show, I know this is not been a not even long anything one. ever. I am, I am I make these shows the longest. Is this the longest show that we've done now? I think it might be. Although we did have a little bit of an issue starting, but I still think it's longer. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I apologize. Um, no, it's not your fault. It's, we had a lot to cover. So. We did have a lot to cover. Uh, I'm very excited to be back. The reinvigorate. Ready to talk about games. The- Heck yeah. And this week you just got me, so <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> thank you to everyone joining us live on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, as well as podcast services everywhere, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. Thank you, Gage. I am Daniel, and this has been Podcast PXN, and we are out. Much love, and keep on gaming. God bless you, one.